0: Welcome to Kubrick Group's Data Balance Podcast. Each month, we'll be interviewing a variety of talented and inspiring people who use data and technology in their career. We'll be discussing diversity challenges and opportunities across the industry, and we'll be shining a light on ways to create a more diverse team and all the advantages that diversity brings when creating teams to solve complex problems. Today, we'll be sitting down with Jay Lockwood, founding head teacher of Logic Studio School. Jay has an exceptional track record of delivering outstanding outcomes for students and pioneering new schools, programmes and qualifications. A few years ago, Jay created Logic Studio School, a school in Feltham which provides students with strong progression routes into employment and university via technology-enabled learning and digital conversions. With youth unemployment being three times the national average, schools like Logic are necessary to help students enter the workplace with the essential skills they need to succeed, regardless of their social economic background. Socioeconomic background is an area of diversity which often tends to be overlooked in the workplace, with organisations often focusing on racial or gender diversity. People who move between classes can bring various advantages to the workplace, but they can also feel isolated and out of their comfort zone. Today, Jay will discuss the importance of class diversity, how he prepares his students for a career in data, and how the industry can attract individuals from different backgrounds. Jay, hi. Thank you for joining us today. Um, So could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and Logic Studio School?
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you, firstly, very much for having me. Um, My name is Jay Lockwood. I'm the head teacher of Logic Studio School in Feltham. We set the school up in 2016 so we've been open for just shy of four years we're a school for 14 to 19 year olds so that's year 10 11 12 and 13 and our particular focus is computing industries and getting young people ready for the challenges of the 2020 economy and onwards i think our real focus is trying to give the young people of felton an area of pretty severe socio-economic deprivation Um, the skill set, the confidence, and hopefully the experience to really thrive in a rapidly changing world.
0: That sounds amazing. Um, But why does logic put an emphasis on students studying technology um, and data?
1: When we set up the school, I think there are a number of statistics that struck me. Um, One being that there are currently one million unfilled jobs across the EU today in the computing technologies. digital skills gap costs the UK economy up to 64 billion pounds a year and quite frankly that says a lot more about our education system than it does about our young people and I don't think that it's any longer optional not to develop digital skills in young people and what we've what we see now is an education strategy which is lagging behind the demand from employers So I really hope that logic has started to try and fill the space between what employers are demanding and what education society is producing. I mean, currently only 12% of young people at GCSE um, study computer science. The majority of those are boys and the majority of them are at selective schools, which really gives a big, big issue um, for the computing industries moving forward I think the Roehampton annual education report recently described the computing revolution as excluding the poorest pupils in society now when you also postulate what AI might do to those communities what automation at airports what automation in factories will do to the workforce it's those very communities that need to be able to work in digital need to be able to understand digital and need to be able to own digital that we really need to train
0: Cool. Makes sense to me. Completely agree. Um, so, kind of coming back to diversity, being based in in Feltham, I assume the school's pretty diverse.
1: Yeah, I mean Feltham's got a really interesting history. Um, Post World War Two, after a after the bombing, of World War Two, the government moved swathes of sort of homeless Eastern East London over to new estates in West London. Felton being one of them. So what you see in Feltham now is you have almost people that have been moved from the East End and that's quite a sort of white working class community. And I think the hallmarks of that community is intergenerational worklessness um, and probably quite low aspirations. At the same time, Feltham is in Hounslow. So you've got a borough which is extremely diverse. So on the one hand, you've got your community that's been inherited from the history of london and now you've got mass immigration into hounslow with huge diversity which brings problems but also i think real opportunities i think the the new wave of immigration to Feltham is a really good thing for the aspiration of the area um, i think it's quite a noticeable thing that people come from other countries and really value our education system um, and that sets a very very good example to young people from families with very very low aspirations but equally it creates an issue that I don't think many co- schools in this country have solved and that is the low aspirations of white British sort of free school meal students um, and how we break that intergenerational worklessness and protect them from a p- really changing economy um, and I, I liken it to almost the closure of the mines in the seventies and eighties, in the sense that we're about from twenty twenty onwards. Some would argue it's even started. We're about to see a revolution in the how the economy looks, the type of jobs that we have, the sectors, and we've got to skill our population to make sure that we don't that the the poorest and the most de- deprived don't lose out the most. And that's something I think we failed as as, as a at, as a country in the 70s and 80s, and we've got to make sure that we don't make those same mistakes again.
0: And how does this diversity and cultural balance um, affect the school's results?
1: Very good question. Um, I, th- I think you can, you can see massively that we have an issue with aspiration with, with young people that come in. Uh, the literacy levels of our sort of indigenous population is quite low. Um, So I think one of our big things that we really try and push is the literacy, their basic literacy, their basic numeracy, um, and also for us, the basic digital skills. The huge amount of work that we have to work on is their aspiration, because we're a true believer at Logic Studio School that unless as a young person you see the points of what you're doing and where you're going, you're never going to fully engage and do as well as you possibly can. So I think we work a lot on the aspiration, and that's to try and unlock the massive potential that's there. Um, For us, aspiration doesn't need to mean university. And I think in an area where only 2% of our parents have been to higher education, that's a really important thing for us to to try and break. Because their community, their role models, they're not university graduates. So we have to show them a different option. And I think the, the new economy is certainly moving that way as well.
0: I agree. And they don't have to be. That's that's the important point here, isn't it? No, I agree. Um, so we are talking about unlocking and, and I guess nurturing um, aspirations in your students. How do you align their aspirations with the skill sets that you have to teach? Them? Obviously, there's basic curriculum for literacy, and numeracy and science. But beyond that, more in data, how do you make sure that the skill sets you're teaching them is aligned for a career in data?
1: So I think we we, we look at it in, in a number of ways. Obviously, we have to teach a certain curriculum and that's right and proper. and ensure that our students whatever they want to do have the the basic foundations to succeed but we look at digital skills and computational thinking in sort of three pretty simple ways and I think the government needs to clarify its strategy on it um, somewhat as well for us we talk about numeracy literacy and digital literacy they're the three things we want all our young people to leave and that's absolutely key Um, and I have often have a number of conversations with young people that Computer science is, isn't for them, but we talk about, you have to be, when you're working in the office, that go-to person that can troubleshoot the computer, can get in the back end of a website, can Photoshop photos. If you're that person, you will be valued and cared for in, in, in any office. So we try and develop digital literacy. We're, we're a very sort of Google school, everything's up in the cloud, and we teach them the basic skills of all of that. Our curriculum then really tries to build on their thinking. So, every student at GCSE studies computer science, every student um, studies digital design, and they all do digital literacy courses to try and sort of prove their skills in office, etc. So, again, what we're trying to do is give them the basic blocks, sorry, the basic foundations and the building blocks in how they think. I think with data, it's very hard to say to young people "Here, here's how we prepare you for, for a career in data it's about creating the foundations in their thinking Um, and that is computational and that is also a very very good standard of maths as well so we really push maths at post 16 be it a level or an alternative level three qualification again to try and get them thinking in the right way finally we really try and build their confidence and awareness of different careers in the computing industries we have things called project-based learning weeks which are cross-discipline they foster a different type of thinking and produce students that I hope can think computationally by analysing problems, decomposing them into smaller parts, and thinking logically. Now, if we can get young people thinking that way, and aware of different careers open to them, they're much more likely to choose a career in that industry than before.
0: So it sounds like you're really building up a solid foundational set of basic skills so they can lean back on and used to pivot into whichever aspiration there is they're interested in in, in data.
1: Yeah, that's that's the hope. Yeah. And I think then our links with employers and industry is to try and open the doors, give them role models of people they might want to try and emulate and be later on in life.
0: So how do you think the industry in general, um, moving away from the school slightly, leaving the school environment, how do you think the industry can attract more students and more people from a different or a lower socioeconomic background? Um, more tra- attracted into data in general?
1: I think that's a really, really good question. And it's one that I'd probably turn on on its head slightly. Because I think, first and foremost, we need to win the argument with employers and with the industry about diversity. Because I think too often, maybe less so with gender diversity, but too often people talk about social, social diversity and it's a bit of a tick-bock box exercise Um, and it's about it there being sort of social justice or it's just something that we need to do I really think we need to pitch the argument for why it's so important and there's been a massive amount of research recently about how teams that are socially diverse are much more innovative can solve problems much more effectively and that the collective intelligence is absolutely massive And I think data is a really interesting industry to think about it with because data is so big. There are going to be problems that come along with data in the next few years that no one can even forecast now. And also you're processing a lot of data from a lot of different people from all walks of society. So it's absolutely vital that we get different perspectives and different eyes on problems. So the team and the collective intelligence can solve those in the most effective way. To me, it's a little bit like putting a quiz team together. There's no point having me and five of my history graduate friends all being on the quiz team um, and then wondering why we're not getting any questions on reality TV or pop from the 80s correct. You need to make sure that you've got all your bases covered and actually the collective intelligence of the team is much greater than the individual.
0: So you mentioned some studies recently that have come out. There have also been quite a few studies recently that have shown that people from different lower, different or lower socioeconomic backgrounds where you do have that variety in a team can sometimes feel isolated how do you train your students how do you teach your students to, to kind of tackle that in the workplace once they leave the school and move forward in their career
1: i i think that if i'm being really honest it's probably the thing that we a care most about and i'll be best at as a school at post 16 we have five days of school every week but on the Wednesday there are no lessons it's what we call employer engagement day and the students are on a rotation around their their A-level choices or their level three courses doing a range of different activities which are trying to get them ready either for university or for the workplace Um, we have six-week work placement blocks Uh, we have big project Based learning kubrick yourselves came in last year for a six-week period set them a challenge and came back and listened to the presentations everything we do is to try and get them feeling much more confident about what it looks like in the workplace we're giving so next in about two weeks time we're training them on all how, all how to do elevator pictures so again the first time they go into the workplace it's not suddenly What's an elevator? What's a pitch? It's trying to give them experience, which means that they feel confident. And I think that confidence is absolutely key. We also put a lot of emphasis on sort of the physical environment. The whole school has been built and designed around much more of a feel of a marketing agency in Shoreditch than a traditional school. We have a blue sky thinking room, which students can book out and lie on yellow beanbags. We have company's room where they do their presentations, which looks much more like Lord Sugar's boardroom than a, than a normal school hall. Even the chairs should feel a more, lot more office like than school. So hopefully that even this sort of the physical displacement of going into work disappears for our young people because they know what it feels like a little bit. Um, equally we have we don't have a dress code per se at sick form but we have dress to impress days where 10 days a year they have to come in and really think like this is as if you're meeting clients so again everything we're trying to do is just replicating so when they get to 18 it's not something they're so fearful of.
0: Sounds like you're making them comfortable with a professional environment and just more happy and and used to different settings and, and situations around them.
1: Absolutely and I think that's incredibly important given some of the backgrounds they come from, because it's not, they're not professional backgrounds. They're not necessarily, their parents haven't been to university. So this is a world they just don't know or understand. And it's that fear, which is a huge barrier to our young people entering careers, which they're more than capable to do.
0: I don't know we touched upon it earlier, but, but just ch- touching on that point ever slightly more. So why do you think it is so important if we do that we do have this diversity in, in classes, in the workplace? If, if it is a challenge, if it is a fear, if people are going outside of their comfort zone and it is an upwards battle, why do you think we need to keep supporting it and striving to do it?
1: Because I think otherwise we create a society full of bubbles. And from a society perspective, that is going to come crashing down at some point very soon um, without wanting to sound incredibly doom-laden. But, but the longer these bubbles, are, and they're becoming increasingly polarised, um, the longer they exist, uh, the more I fear for us as a society as a whole. But again, that sort of goes back to my answer earlier. It shouldn't just be about social justice; it should be about the qualities diversity bring to teams um, and and that's absolutely massive. The way people think the way people approach problems all come down to who you are how you've been educated your your moral standpoints everything the way you think is all caught up in that and just because someone's different it doesn't mean their, their approach to a problem is wrong um, it's incredibly important that we think and see how other people form their perspectives and as I say just because it's different it doesn't mean it's wrong I also think sometimes we have to stand back and look at what it is what what grades mean what CVs mean for example I was very fortunate I went to a a very good school um, which my parents were fortunate enough to be able to pay for but do my A levels count for as much as someone that gets one A level lower than me that's been to a school in special measures that's not been able to have a maths teacher not been able to have a science teacher they're chalk and cheese and yet we compare them and we'll often sort of leave CVs on, on the floor because they don't quite meet the minimum criterion, we're missing out on a huge amount of talent, huge amount of talent. And this is an industry that is struggling to recruit talent. So to me, the answer is pretty obvious. We need to find a different way of looking what that talent is.
0: Makes sense to me. Sounds about what you're saying about moving out, removing your barriers and opening your minds to, to new and different routes and, and options. Um, So finally, what advice would you give to data teams looking for diverse early career talent?
1: Um, Firstly, I think you've got to look at your HR practices. Um, I mean, there are a lot of PwC, I think, have just started their apprenticeship program, which no longer looks at grades, no longer asks for grades, what you get at A-levels, for example. And I think that that's to get away from that confirmation bias that you must have this grade to get in of course intelligence aptitude is incredibly important but to say that the exams are the only thing that can measure that I don't think is quite right. Um, I think in terms of when you've got that diverse talent as well we need to really think about what makes them feel comfortable in the work face, workplace excuse me, and how we can get the best out of that talent. Too often a and I think you see this in work experience a lot. And a lot of when we've placed young people in, in big companies for six weeks, someone will come back and say, well, that's just not worked. And yet it's it it hasn't. But how much did they try and understand where our young people were coming from? Or was it they just didn't fit the mold of what they were expecting, what they normally see in, in young talent? So I think that, that we need to really, really look at that as well. I also think, and data faces this probably more than, than most industries. We need to understand that data is not just about data. It's about people in data. And I think that's what Kubrick does incredibly well. It, it's all about outstanding people in data. And if we just change our, the way we think a little bit, it's not a, just about maths and it's not just about computational thinking. It's how do we get excellent talent and how do we train that excellent talent to be the best people in data possibly and that we possibly can um so i think it's 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 hr practices it's when you've got diverse talent it's training and mentoring them and understanding them in a way that brings the most out of that talent um, and i think when things don't go right right it's not about saying well that hasn't worked it's about also self-reflecting and thinking what could we have done better as a as opposed to just blaming the diverse talent
0: Another cheeky one, if I may, what would you say to somebody who has gone through their education system and is now in a career in data and is actually feeling isolated in the workplace? And they're, fe- they're feeling that they're, their employer and their industry isn't necessarily offering the support that they might expect.
1: I think the advice that I give to every young person would always be the same. Communicate and communicate is sort of try and be listened to, but also make sure that they hear. And therefore that things do change because the difference between offloading and then going back to being exactly the same the next day and offloading and a couple of things changing to try and make your experience better are are dramatic differences. Um, So I think it's when you communicate, try and make sure you're followed up and there are changes that are therefore implemented. But equally, there are so many good companies out there. That don't be afraid to back yourself and back your own talent don't be afraid to see yourself as someone with a skill set that companies need too often people I think revere to to companies and will just take a job because it is it's a tough it's a tough marketplace out there but you have to back yourself you have to back your skill set you have to back your confidence and make sure that you're in a company that is looking after you developing you and most importantly for both of you getting the best out of you.
0: Thanks Jay and all the best to you and your students at Logic Studio School. Thank you for tuning in to our third episode of the Data Balance podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud and join us next month for more conversations on diversity in data.